before I begin, let's pray together tonight. Father, we do thank you that we can have a right standing with you because of the sacrifice of your son. Thank you for that marvelous grace. The only reason why we can be here tonight to worship you, the only reason why I can be here to stand in this pulpit to preach your word, and the only reason that we can have eternal life is when we are in Christ, our Savior, our only hope, Jesus Christ. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight's going to be a little bit different. Um, For those of you who are into movies, it's kind of the curious case of Benjamin Button, which is a movie where they start with the person being old and he keeps getting younger as the night goes on or as his life goes on. We're going to kind of go backwards uh, tonight because usually for things like an introduction, For local evangelism month, we would take the morning service. But this morning, we had uh, an important message uh, from Pastor Ron that we really thought the whole congregation needed to hear, reminding us of the broken culture that we live in. And while it is in some ways unfortunate, and it is disheartening when we look around the world and we see uh, the things that are going on, we want it to be a reminder to us that that is the reason why we must boldly, vociferously, repeatedly repeat the gospel to those around us. And why an evening like tonight is important and why a month like local evangelism month is important. Now, in some ways, what we're talking about actually fits better tonight because this is going to be more of a lecture slash message more than like an actual sermon. And and we're going to kind of hopefully talk through some things that I hope to uh, encourage us as a church as we move forward in our efforts to reach out to our friends, our neighbors, and loved ones. And so then tonight, uh, we're going to look at those things, and then at the end of the night, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture which I think lays this out for us very effectively Uh, and hopefully will help us to then put a neat little uh, bow of understanding on this is uh, an effective way for us to reach out. Every year, as I'm praying about local evangelism month, I I think to myself, why do Christians struggle so much with evangelism? And, And I think that for many Christians, even myself sometimes, there's a misunderstanding there's just this misunderstanding that, that evangelism has to be this very specific rote process of taking someone through a gospel presentation. Or, or there's this misunderstanding that, that I may or may not have the gift of evangelism, and so if I don't have that gift, that, that I don't uh, feel equipped to share the gospel. And, and if I don't have a fancy system memorized, then I don't feel equipped to share the gospel. And I think that those are all misunderstandings. And, and I really hope that tonight, uh, by the end of tonight, you, you can think to yourself, okay, these are, these are some practical ways that I can engage the culture around me that Pastor Ron preached about, some ways that I and uh, my family can engage the culture around me and hopefully make a difference for Christ and for the gospel. And I think as well that there's some other misunderstandings that that oftentimes Christians feel great pressure 
support evangelism. And, 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 and when we feel that great pressure, then, then we oftentimes have feelings of guilt and, and, and feelings of inadequacy and feelings of, of, of not having the right abilities to, to do what we feel uh, is necessary. And that somehow if, if the presentation doesn't go just the right way, then, then that person will go off into a Christless eternity and that will somehow be my fault. And while we know that that's not true, we know that, that it is of God when any person puts their faith and trust in Christ. I, I think that that pressure affects us. So I'm hoping that this month we can, we can put at ease some of those pressures. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity that we have to look at some of these guiding principles and, and, and to look at uh, what uh, Mark Chris is doing through the Lansing City Rescue Mission and be encouraged by that. And we're hoping that these things will encourage us to, to get involved, every single one of us, in the kingdom work of reaching out to our neighbors and loved ones with the gospel. So our first point that I want us to think about this evening is in Christ, in the community. That is our theme for this month. And I want us as a church to understand that evangelism isn't just something you do. It is who you are if you are in Christ. And so, so this month I want us to be reminded that, that when, when we really want to make an impact for the gospel, first and foremost, you and I have to understand that it means we need to be in Christ ourselves. Pastor Tim has been leading us through a study of Ephesians, and, and, and so now we should have, when we hear those term, that term, in Christ, you and I should have countless things in our mind that, that we think of. In Christ, we have hope, redemption, forgiveness, no condemnation, salvation. We have been reconciled with God. We have grace. We have mercy. We are a new creation. The old is gone. We have been united with Christ. We are joint heirs with him. And the list could go on and on and on. That's what we have when we are in Christ. Amen? But that's not just for me to be blessed with. It's not like God looked down from heaven and said, that Chad is so wonderful and lovely that I want him to have all these blessings of being in Christ. Those blessings come so that now I have the opportunity, I, a sinful person, a wretch who deserves the wrath and condemnation that we just sang about, but because of the grace of God, I have those blessings. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ so that... I can now get to work doing the business that God would have us to do. And that's us being in the community. Us then being Christ in that community. Us being the light of the, of the gospel to the community. Us being the beautiful aroma of the salvation that comes from God to the community. And so, if you are a person that struggles with, should I, how do I get involved with evangelism... I would just simply encourage you to do this. Understand who you are in Christ, and then go from there living out all those blessings in Christ that God has given you in the community where he has placed you every day. It doesn't have to be going out of your way. It doesn't have to be some special event. It can simply be you living out those things that God has done in your life in the community. Because... When we're in Christ, and that is what we truly, who we are, we will be light. If, if you are truly in Christ and you are truly living those things out in the community around you, there is no doubt about it, you will be different. Compared to that, that, that 
culture that Pastor Ron laid out for us today, and, and he was very clear, don't be mistaken, the culture has always been broken, but our culture has some very unique challenges that we face. But compared to that culture, if you live out what it means to be in Christ, you will be light. The world is a very dark place. Our culture is a very dark place. And that's why church and Christians and those who call on the name of Christ must be a safe environment. We must be a set-apart, holy environment. We must be the kind of people that are in direct contrast to the darkness that everybody sees in the world around us. That's what we have to do. That's who we have to be because that is what it means to be in Christ. You see... I think sometimes God's name and fame are are hurt when Christians, in quote-unquote air quotes, if you're listening to this on the internet, when Christians do all these terrible things in the name of Christ, the hateful things that sometimes are done, that is not what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to live out these blessings that he has given us so that others will see and know the hope of eternal life that comes only through Christ. So I, I, I want to challenge us that, that we need to be in Christ in the community. And that means wherever God has placed you, at your work, at your school, when you go to pick your kids up from daycare, when you have kids come into your home because you provide daycare, whatever it may be, you need to be in Christ and reflect that to those whom God places in your life. And that is our goal that I want us to focus on and think about this morning. But what I also hope to do, or this evening, what I also hope to do this month is to help us to focus on some guiding principles of our outreach here at First Baptist Church. And perhaps those of you who are uh, diligent in reading your bulletins, you may have seen some of these. Uh, Some of our other leadership have, have seen some of these. These are principles that, and again, I don't want you to go, oh, well, we need to do this, 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 and this, and then we'll be good at evangelism. That's not it. But I want these to be guiding principles that we as a church can develop and then incorporate and hopefully then use to evaluate how are we doing. We talk about outreach. We talk about evangelism. We talk about loving our neighbors. We talk about reaching out with the gospel. These can be ways that you and I can, can look at and measure up against the things that we're actually doing and then see all right, how are we doing in the area of evangelism? The first one that I want us to think about this evening is incarnation. Now, for those of you, and this is not a new term, incarnational living has been around for a long time. It's basically based upon the, the idea that, that Jesus, who was in heaven from eternity past with his Father in all glory, humbled himself and came down to the earth. He, he broke into uh, the world when he was born as a baby, and that's why we celebrate that every year at Christmas. It's, it's, it's the God of the universe humbling himself and being born and coming down into this world. The, the, the dictionary definition of incarnation is the immersion of oneself into a local cu- culture. And, and so that's Jesus from, from eternity past breaking down into our world 
so that he could be our Savior. So then, incarnational living is immersing oneself into the local culture and becoming like Christ to that culture or environment. It's a, it's a basic definition that we would use and challenge all of our missionaries to consider and to, to think about. That's the way we want our missionaries to work. We want them to, to go to a culture that doesn't have Christ, and we want them to be Christ in that culture and, and to live out their, their gospel focus and then get to the point where they know that culture well enough that they can speak the culture into or speak the gospel into that culture in their own heart language. That's what you and I are also called to do. The incarnation is best summed up in John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory is one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus broke into earth, and, and we were able to catch a glimpse of his glory, and we were able to see the truth of who he is, and the truth of what God the Father, who God the Father is, and to see his grace and his mercy on full display. And that's what it means for you and I to be in Christ in the community. We need to be that. We need to be living among the people so that they can see the glory of God, not so that they can see the glory of First Baptist Church or the glory of, of you or the glory of anything else. It's so that they can look and see the glory of God and see the grace and the truth that is evident in our lives. Because they'll look at you and they'll look at me and they'll say, there is no way that person could, could do these things apart from the grace of God in their life. Paul challenged the Thessalonians on this kind of a concept. In 1 Thessalonians 1.5 we read this, because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. It's the, Paul says, I, we came into your culture, and, and we were the, the visibility, the, 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 the picture of the gospel to you. We lived among you for your sake. It wasn't for our own benefit. It was for your benefit so that you would see the power, so that you would see the Holy Spirit at work, so you would see what the gospel does when it changes someone in Christ, in the community. Paul says, that's what we did for you, Thessalonians. And we then want you to be doing that as well. And the, and the gospel doesn't just come in word, but it also comes with power in the Holy Spirit. Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. The second term that I want us to think about this evening is, is invitation. So, so when we're talking about evangelism, we, we first say you need to, uh, I want us to first think about this principle that we have to live in the culture with the people. We have to break into who they are so that they can see what the gospel truly is. But then the next step of that is that you and I must then, then, by invitation, invite them to become part of our lives. This is, this is more than, than simply uh, inviting them to come to some kind uh, of church event. While that is true, and that is actually part of invitation, obviously, in the term, that's only scratching the surface of what I want us to really think about when we think about that term, invitation you see we do want you inviting people to events but more than that i want you to think about invitation as engaging or making genuine connections with people invitation is 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 when we invite people to share life with us 
We invite them to, to talk about hurts and pains, and we'll talk about our hurts and pains, and we'll talk about our, our victories together, and we'll rejoice over the good things that are going on in our life, and we'll talk to them about the challenges that we face. We'll talk to them about the woes of parenting, and we'll talk to them about the, the wonderful things about parenting, and we'll talk to them about all the joys and the hurts and the trials and the persecutions and the failures that we go through each and every day of our life. You see, when we do that, we are inviting them into a deeper relationship with us. We are, we are engaging them. We are, we are taking the conversation into real-life types of events. You see, because sometimes when we break into someone's life, whether it's through a sports team or a friend at school or we serve on a, on a, a board or, or a group in the community, we, we share life with one another, but, but sometimes it's difficult to get down to the deep root issues of life. And, and we do that by inviting people into our lives. And, and it can be inviting them to come to a dinner at your house. It can be inviting them to come to an event that church is putting on. But more normally in everyday life, that's going to be inviting them to, to simply engage in some kind of conversation that is meaningful and that takes it more than just, hey, we're living life together. Now I want to talk about the real things that go on in life. And sometimes that's difficult for people. We like things to be very surfacey, and, and it's easy to just talk about the normal, everyday stuff. And so we have to really focus on, by invitation, trying to get them to come deeper into a relationship with us. And because that, when you have deeper relationships, when you have deeper conversations, when you have deeper things that are more significant than the weather and the sports team and whatever might be going on, when you get into real-life issues then you begin to really engage with who a person is and what they believe. And the third term that I want us to think about when we're thinking about the gospel, first we have incarnation, living Christ in our culture, in our community, wherever God has placed us. And then second, we want to invite deeper people into a deeper spiritual conversation, engage them in real connecting to life on life, and then we want to have interjection and Interjection really is a reminder for all of us that gospel conversations do not happen accidentally. Gospel conversations do not happen accidentally. We have to purposefully interject the gospel into conversations. We must purposefully interject the gospel into daily life. It's not ever happened that I can think of or have ever heard about where somebody said, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and I accidentally shared the gospel with them. It just doesn't happen. It's not like, oh, it was just this natural flow. And no, it's almost always inconvenient. And we're almost always filled with a little bit of tension, like, oh, I don't know what they're going to do if I talk about God, if I talk about Christ. Are they gonna, are they gonna, how are they going to feel about that? What's going to go on? There's always that, that internal angst of the enemy who wants us to keep our mouth silent, right? There's always that internal struggle that's going on. It never happens by accident. But when life happens, we as believers must be ready to talk about Christ. When life happens, when, when we can engage people and invite them into deeper conversations, I'll oftentimes say the second term is engage instead of invite, but it didn't start with an I, and so I needed I's. So, that, so when I say engage, here invite. 
when we invite people into conversations, then we need to listen to what's really going on with them in their life. And then when we hear about those life circumstances, then you and I must be prepared to, to challenge them to think about God. For a mission trip training this last summer, I had the teens look at something called turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. And we showed some little video clips and talked about a way, a method, so that they would have a method to share the gospel should they feel like it. Have that rote memorization system because some people are comfortable with that. But more importantly than that, it, it, it challenged us to think about what happens in life when, when someone brings up in a conversation and they mention guilt or shame or loneliness or brokenness. Or they talk about their family and they talk about hope. Almost any topic can be used to transition to a gospel-centered conversation. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, I just don't know, Chad. I don't know if I can do that. It's really not that difficult as we make it. You can say something as, if someone tells you about something that they've been dealing with, you can say, you know, I deal with that a lot myself. And you know what I have found helps? My relationship with Christ. It can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be some, some deeply uh, theological, well, you know, in the Greek verb tense of uh, despair. It no, it does not have to be that. It can be simply, you know, when you feel hopeless, I, I know a God that desires to give us hope, the hope of eternal life. And it's not a hope that, that is just like, oh, I wish and I, I, I hope. It is a rock-solid, concrete hope of a guarantee of who God is. And what he wants to provide for us. Or perhaps somebody tells you about a difficult situation that, that they've gone through. And you say, you know, uh, man, when I'm going through a difficult time in life, I've learned that the only one on whom I can really depend is God. He's the one that never changes. People might fail me. My husband, my wife might do something wrong. My kids fail me. My, my pastor failed me. But God, he never fails me. And you can use that to talk about the, 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 the gospel and how it can truly change them. And, you know, maybe sometimes things are going really well for people. And you can just say something simply like, man, you know, isn't that satisfying when you hear job well done? But I have found that in this world, even when I get those words of encouragement, even when I'm doing great, ultimately none of that really satisfies me. And I have found that the only way that I can have true satisfaction is in Christ. Do you have a relationship with Christ? Have you ever heard about what Christ has done for us? It's simple ways for us to interject the gospel into conversations. But again, that's not going to happen accidentally. It's not like you're going to accidentally talk about that. You need to pray about that in advance. I'm getting ahead of myself. You need to be thinking about these things in advance and be, be looking for opportunities for these things to take place. You see, no matter what anyone thinks of you, God thinks that you are valuable. Can I share with you how valuable you are to Jesus? He died on the cross for you. He died on the cross so that, that your sins could be forgiven and you could have eternal life with him. You see, these are important things that you and I need to understand and, and, the, and we have to interject them into conversations. We have to be purposed in our heart to interject them into conversations. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, we read this. Therefore, 
We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You and I are ambassadors for Christ. And, and Paul's telling the Corinthians, I, I'm, I'm, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you, please be an ambassador that God created you to be. Be reconciled to God. Paul is, is making sure that, that, he, that they know what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. And then he is making the appeal to God or, or for, for them to turn to God, to be reconciled even through that. He gives us a great example. He, he's talking to people that, that think that they're Christians. He's talking to people who, who think that they are already saved. And, and he's making sure, you know what? From the conversations we've been having through these letters, I'm not so sure that all of you really know what it means to be a Christian. And I'm imploring you, be reconciled to God. And so sometimes that's what that looks like in our every day conversations we might be talking to somebody who who claims to be a christian we might be talking to somebody who who claims to have been going to church from the time that they were just little tyke and paul takes that opportunity to say yeah but have you been reconciled to god have you truly committed your life to christ are you living by faith and and trusting christ alone for your salvation are you still trusting your church attendance are you still trusting all those other things in your life. And so for you and I, whether through talking or texting or being on the phone with somebody or conversation at work or email or social media, we must take time to purposefully interject the gospel into our conversations. And that's the only way that we can truly have evangelism take place. Because it's important for us to live our faith out in the community. And it's important for us to invite people to church events and invite them to engage in a deeper, meaningful relationship with us, maybe with our families or with other friends from, the, from church. It's important for us to do all of those things. But until we interject the gospel, evangelism actually hasn't taken place. Because the gospel is what changes lives. Looking at you, looking at your life or my life doesn't lead people to Christ. It might lead them to want to know about the God that we serve, but it doesn't lead them to Christ. So we have to get to the point where, whether it's through talking, texting, etc., that we purposefully interject the gospel message into our conversations. And the fourth guiding principle that I want us to think about as a church is intercession. We cannot say this enough. If we want anything of eternal value to take place, we should be bathing these things in prayer. You see, because when someone crosses over from darkness to light, it's completely a God thing. It's not a First Baptist Church thing. It's not a you the evangelist thing. It's a God thing. It is an act of the Holy Spirit, not simply our evangelistic ability. Praise the Lord for those who have the gift of evangelism. But it's only a gift because the Holy Spirit resides in them. And they're using that that gift in the way that God has intended to proclaim that good news to people around them. But it's a God thing. That's why the angels in heaven rejoice. They're not rejoicing over how great that gospel presentation went for that Christian. They're rejoicing over the fact that the Holy Spirit reached down and broke into a wretched sinner's heart and showed them their need for Christ and they repented and came to Christ. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Every single time, it is a miracle 
And you and I can't argue somebody into the kingdom of God. No matter how good our apologetics may be, no matter how logical our our arguments may be, no matter how much we destroy their false pretenses and false arguments, we can't argue someone into the kingdom of God. Apologetics are important, and we must be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us. But our apologetic efforts are not what are going to save people. You and I should be prepared, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in someone's life that makes the change. No amount of of debate can change a man's heart. Only God can. And so we should pray. And I think too often we we spend more time talking about what we should do and what we could do and, and not enough time praying that God would would bring about a Holy Spirit change in someone's life. I want us to look at a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 9 that I think is wrongly only attributed to missions. And we here at First Baptist Church, we believe that, that missions and local evangelism go hand in hand. They are, they are both vital and important to the kingdom of God, and not, one is not more important than the other. And that, I even appreciated uh, Daryl's prayer this morning because he talked about how we should be reaching out to our essentially Jerusalem, and then we have Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Both are important. That is the story of the Bible, that God is at work through people that he has called to himself, right where he has placed them, and to the ends of the earth. He's going to call some to stay right here and to be faithful in this local body and and to share the gospel where he's placed them. And he's going to call some to go out into the greater community and share the gospel there. And he's going to call some to go to the ends of the United States of America. They're going to go to California or, or, or the East Coast, and they're going to be the light of the gospel. They're going to be in Christ in their community where he has placed them. And he's called some to go to the ends of the earth so that his name might be proclaimed where it's never been heard before. But in Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38, we read this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. please don't think that I I don't mean, I I don't think that this means we should be praying for missionaries. But what Jesus says is, as he was going about in the cities where he was, he's telling his disciples to pray for laborers, for that harvest. He's he's looking out at crowds of people, and he has compassion on them. His, His heart is breaking for their lostness. And he says to his disciples, pray Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. You and I are those laborers. You and I should be both praying and being the answer to that prayer. We should be going out and being the answer to that prayer and being laborers going out into the harvest. But it's impossible for us to do it on our own. So we should be praying that God would be sending out laborers into his harvest. It is It is not easy in the culture that Pastor Ron described for us this morning. We know. If if you've spent any time outside the four walls of this church or the four walls of your home, you know it's not easy to be salt and light in, in a dark, dark world. But that is what we are called to do. 
And we can't do it on our own strength. We can only do it when the power of the Holy Spirit is working in us. So that should be another part of our prayer life. God, I am completely unworthy to be your ambassador to the town of St. John's. But Jesus is worthy. And Jesus is in me. So I pray that people around me would see more of Jesus and less of Chad. So that you can be glorified. And so that people will come to Christ. We should be praying that, that we would have the kind of compassion that Jesus had in that passage in Matthew. That we would look at people and, and not, not think, oh, they are so dark and they are so lost and they are so wicked and they are so perverse and they are so evil. But we should look at them and have compassion and say they are so lost. They are so in need of Jesus. And God has placed me in their life so that I can be in Christ in their community. That's, that's why he saved me and placed me there. We must be faithful to do what God has called us to do. And then we trust God. Who through the Holy Spirit, we trust him to do what he alone can do. But we must be certain. We must be confident. We must remind ourselves every day that the enemy does not want the kingdom to advance one iota. He will fight tooth and nail against the advancement of the gospel in this community and around the world. He does not want God's name and fame to be proclaimed in your home. He does not want God's name and fame to be proclaimed here in this pulpit. He does not want God's name and fame to be proclaimed in the community. He does not want the name of Jesus to be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Because Jesus, is in his name, is salvation. It's found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so the enemy does not want us to proclaim the name of Christ. And yet, God's kingdom advances. Why? Because we're so gifted and talented? No. Because God will do what God said he will do. And every, for eternity, there will be people from every tribe and language and tongue and nation. And God will not stop working in the hearts of men and women, calling them into a repentant relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And so you and I need to understand that, and we need to know that, and we need to believe that, and we need to pray that God would do a mighty work in and through us. So we want to have as guiding principles incarnation, living Christ in our community. We want to then, when we're living with, with people in community, we want to then really go deeper and share life together and, and engage with them and invite them into a deeper relationship and then when we have the opportunities and when we can create opportunities we need to interject the gospel into our conversations in our relationships with people and through all wrapping around everything we need to be interceding in prayer these are the concepts that we're going to kind of be focusing on throughout the month but but i really hope that we we focus on these things beyond just local evangelism month i'd like them to be guiding principles for us moving forward so if you have your bible now we're actually going to go to the message where we or the part of the uh scriptures where we actually see this open to john chapter four a very familiar passage to most of us
John chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through, we'll probably only go to 15. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Near the field where Jacob had given near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there also. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. See, this is a prime example of incarnation. I'm going to stop there. This is a prime example of incarnation. Jesus was living his life among these people. He was doing a daily task. He was going about his daily thing. He was wearied from his journey. Jesus, even though he was almighty God, was in the flesh and he dealt with the humanity. Uh, He was robed in humanity just like we are. And so he dealt with the, the things that we deal with. He was weary from his journey and he was sitting beside the well in the heat of the day. And then it continues. He's among them. And then he says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? Or ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. So now we see that that Jesus is, is inviting her into conversation. Jesus could have just gotten a drink from the well himself. How many times in our day do we let people just pass by? But Jesus says, you know what? I want to talk to this woman. We're going to have a conversation. I want to have an opportunity to speak to her. And so he reaches out and he asks her for a drink. And that might seem like something small. But that's what I want us to really understand. These principles for evangelism, they're not great acts of grandiose, of a grandiose nature. They are simple things that you and I do every day, but oftentimes we don't do them with the mind of the gospel with the sake, for the sake of the gospel. We, we just go about our business and we pretend that the people around us don't exist. Jesus didn't do that. Instead, he engaged with her and began to have a conversation with her. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So Jesus lives life among these people. He goes through Samaria when he didn't necessarily need to. And then he engages in in this woman and invites her into a conversation with him. And then he interjects spiritual conversation with her. 
there is so much more going on in here. And that, I, I know that many of us have studied this passage out before, and, and, and I'm not trying to minimize all the different things that are going on here, but I, wanna, I want us to step back from the text and, and just see the simplicity of it. He's living life among them, weary from a journey, engages her in a conversation, invites her into a conversation, and then he interjects the gospel into that. And the woman is like, her life has changed. And not only her life, but the life of everybody that she ever meets from that point on, because now she will be in Christ in the community, and others will be like, wow, she's had an interaction with somebody that is completely different. And the gospel message would continue to proceed from there. This isn't an in-depth study of John chapter 4, but I think in there we see a beautiful pattern. And, and Jesus is there because he is in tune with the Father's will. He doesn't need to pray, give me the strength to reach out to that Samaritan woman when she comes up to me. He, he already knows what he's supposed to do. But you and I should bow before the throne of God, asking him to intercede for us as we are the harvest as we are the laborers going out into the harvest, and we should pray for more to be going out each and every day. So what does this mean for us here at First Baptist Church? I'm hoping that evaluation of our ministries and evangelism efforts will be able to flow from these four guiding principles. What do I mean by that? Well, I would like to encourage every ministry that desires to see outreach happen evaluate itself in light of these principles. So, for instance, it, not everything that needs to be an outreach ministry needs to include all four of the principles, although it could. But let me give you a prime example. Awana. Really every night, but particularly be a real friend, barf nights. I think I just wanted to say barf from the pulpit. <laughs> I am a youth pastor. <laughs> Be a real friend's night. You see, we could evaluate it in light of, well, what, is it, what does incarnational living have to do with that? Well, I have to have people that are in my life that I can invite to that. I can't be a real friend to somebody if I haven't actually made friends in my everyday life. And if I haven't allowed my kids to make friends in everyday life. If I'm, if I'm living in such a way that I have nobody in my life that doesn't know Jesus well, then I'm not living incarnationally. I'm not living Christ in the darkness. I'm living Christ in my Christ community. So, so I need to have people in my life in whom I can live incarnationally. I can be the aroma of the gospel. I can be the light in the darkness to them. And then I should invite them. And I, and I should not just let my parents invite them. If you're a young person here tonight, you can reach out to your friends and invite them. And then parents, it's not just for the kids to do. You can talk to their parents and make sure that they know. You can engage them in conversations because, you know, maybe your kids are different than my kids. My kids don't always include details when they talk about things. Parents like details when they send their kids to things. So you can be the, the detail person and, and engaging them in conversation and and talking to them what that looks like. And then, every leader, but particularly those that are doing the council times, have an opportunity to interject the gospel into that young person's life when they come to church. So we can evaluate, how are we doing with those things? But then parents were still not off the hook we can also then follow up with that family and interject the gospel into their life as well. 
Because it's one thing for those people that never met their child before to interject the gospel into their life. And it's a whole thing altogether for the person who's been living incarnationally in their life, sharing life with them, who has engaged them in life, real life discussions to share the gospel with them. You and I can do that. And we can just simply ask them how things went in Awana. What did they talk about? It's, it doesn't have to be complicated. The family can continue to follow up. And, and, and we always must be praying. Praying for the right people to invite. Praying that they will be able to come. Praying that their schedules will be cleared so that they, they can come to those kind of events that we're inviting them to. Praying that, that we can have, that they'll hear the gospel. Praying that the Holy Spirit would be working and drawing them, bathing everything in prayer. And the same could be said for any Beacon of Hope ministry. And the same could be said for uh, any Mighty Oak ministry, and any youth ministry, and any outreach ministry, whether it's a big event like the Wild Game Dinner, or simply our Wednesday evening uh, Bible Institute classes that we know that there are people that come to that, that are looking for answers. And we can say, all right, how are we doing? Are, are we providing opportunities for our people to live out in their their faith and their community or are we keeping them so busy with everything that they're doing here at church that they don't have time to make friends outside of these walls that's not good and we can evaluate how are we how are we doing in engaging people are we inviting new people in are we inviting new people to come and be part of our small group ministry where they're going to hear great teaching and and, and they're going to hear the gospel are are we taking the opportunities to interject the gospel from this pulpit, in our small groups, in our council times that we uh, hopefully are signing up to teach, in all the, the ways that we are leading and teaching, whether it's in, in children's church or adult ministry, are we interjecting the gospel into everything that we do? Because it's our reason that we can be in Christ in the community. And so as this month progresses, I, I hope that you'll see more and more ways that, that we can do these things. But as the years progress, I hope that we can evaluate our ministries and, and think, okay, what are some ways that we can more effectively be inviting people, more effectively be engaging people in significant life conversations? And what are some ways that we can be more effectively interjecting the gospel boldly into the things that we're doing because it's the thing that will make the difference? And how can we be more effective in praying for these ministries because without God's hand at work, nothing that we do will have any eternal value. So my prayer for us, for this church, for me, for my family, and for yours, is that we will be in Christ, in the community, and that we will hopefully be living out these principles that we can see all throughout Scripture so that we can be effective and not overwhelmed and not discouraged, but we can rejoice with hope over seeing God at work in and through us. Let me close this in prayer. Father, I pray that you would give us a joy to share the gospel with others. Help us to see that it's simply your Holy Spirit in and through us that makes us an ambassador for Christ. Lord, we want to be your laborers. We see that the harvest is plentiful. Send us to the people with whom you'd like us to speak and help us to boldly proclaim the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.